Welcome to Burned by the Firewall, an Occamsec podcast. Welcome back to another episode of Burned by the Firewall. I'm your host, Michael Krupka, and today we continue our women in cyber slash IT leadership theme with another very special guest from the islands of Hawaii. With that, I am thrilled to welcome the one and the only Connie Lau to our show. <laughs> Connie, welcome. Thank you so much, Michael. Super glad to be with you all. Well, let's let's dive right in, Connie. Um, why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about who you are, where you work, and uh, what a day in the life is like for you. <laughs> okay, so I am President and Chief Executive Officer of Hawaiian Electric Industries. We're actually the largest publicly traded company in Hawaii. We own the electric utility, Hawaiian Electric, that serves 95% of the state of Hawaii. And we also own the third largest bank called American Savings Bank. And we have a new subsidiary called Pacific Currents that is involved in sustainable infrastructure. Uh, so one interesting fact about me that relates to your subject matter, Michael, is that I also chair something called the National Infrastructure Advisory Council, or NIAC, um, and that's a presidential advisory council. I was originally appointed under President Obama, have been serving under President Trump, and now, of course, um, incoming President-elect Biden. Uh, and we deal a lot with uh, critical infrastructure, and uh, one of the things that all the critical infrastructures tell us, whether it's the electric grid, transportation, water, um, uh, emergency facilities, uh, large commercial gathering areas like the World Trade Center, is that cybersecurity is critical to our operations these days and one of the major focus areas for uh, companies. Yeah, I think it doesn't take uh, those in the industry much searching in the last couple of days to go look and see sort of how that, you know, cybersecurity has impacted the lives of, of so many just recently with the recent solar winds hack. So um, to, to your point, it is, it is certainly almost like air right now for, for professionals. Uh, cybersecurity goes hand in hand with your, your everyday life. So um, speaking of your everyday life and your journey to where you are to be at such a high level, um, you know, can you maybe tell our listeners how you got there and maybe some of the, the, the mentors that, that helped you achieve some of the success that you've had in your life? So I was born and raised here in Hawaii. Um, as is typical for a lot of Hawaii kids, uh, went to high school here, then went to college on the mainland, uh, graduate school in law and also business. Uh, worked in San Francisco for one of the large law firms, and then married a local boy, so ended up coming home to Hawaii, uh, went to work for the electric company, and over the years, uh, moved through the various ranks, uh, uh, spent some time not only in the legal department, but also in the finance area, did some work internationally, uh, did a lot of the M&A work, uh, when we acquired American Savings Bank and some other companies uh, and ultimately became president, CEO, first of American Savings Bank and then um, our holding company, Hawaiian Electric Industries. Uh, I guess because, you know, I was one of the early women in the field and I was the 
second uh, female CEO uh, among electric utilities, um, you know, there frankly weren't a lot of mentors. Uh, you know, you kind of had to do it on your own and just uh, continue to be persistent and, um, uh, you know, not let anything um, slow you down. So that's uh, uh, kind of my story. I was fortunate to have people along the way that did help me. Uh, the vice president for administration of Hawaiian Electric way, way back uh, believed in women. Uh, and so um, not only was I uh, as a second lawyer in the company, but also the first lawyer in the company was also female. Uh, so I had people like that. And then uh, our board of directors and um, our long serving board chair, Jeff Watanabe, they've all kind of taken me under their wings and helped me through in my career. That's awesome. And I think a lot of the, the professionals that we speak to also have a similar story about at least being taken under somebody's wing, right? And I think this is a good segue into the advice that you might give women in, in IT or in cyber or who are aspiring to be leaders like yourself, that the way things are, would there, is there any advice that you would give to, to women aspiring to, to achieve the type of success that you've had in your career? Well, I think I, I quickly touched on it in the fact that you can't let anything stand in your way. Um, you know, there uh, regretfully will be barriers, uh, but, um, you know, one can't think of them as barriers. They're just obstacles to overcome and uh, be persistent and uh, continue to push your way forward. Um, always be reasonable. However, I'm not encouraging anyone to be stubborn or, uh, uh, you know, an obstructionist by any means. Uh, but you really want to make sure that uh, you develop a strong sense of who you are, um, that you have um, built your skill sets, honed your skill sets, you know what your field is, and, um, you know, you're capable of doing more. Before we dive into a little bit more of the, the technical questions, if you will, I have a couple local questions for you. So you mentioned you, mentioned you went to high school out here, and for the, the local listeners that we might have, can you, can you give a shout out to what high school that was? So I'm a 13-year uh, Punahou kid. <laughs> nice, nice, okay. So our, our, our local listeners that don't know will like to know that. That's always a big topic of discussion. Um, and then, you know, local eateries and local food, I know it's a big part of our culture. It's a big part of just everything that, that Hawaii offers, the tourism, you know, market, the people that come here love our food. Do you have a, a favorite local eatery or a favorite type of local food? So I am a big sushi fan. Um, and there used to be a little uh, sushi, just a mom and pop over in Moiliili. Um, but now it's closed. <laughs> and so oh, no. my other big favorite yeah, that's the way it is. Um, my other big favorite is Yanagi Sushi on Kapiolani. Um, and, uh, you know, I used to uh, work at Kavaihao Plaza, which is just sort of catacorner from there. And so a lot of times when I would be working late, I would just call up for a takeout and I'd go over there and get one of their uh, omakases or, you know, Sushi Supreme. So it's wonderful. Love that place. 
Nice. I, I've I've been on island for 17 years now, and I have I have yet to check that place out. So upon your recommendation, it's going on my list here. So thank you. So hey, we're talking about Hawaii. Obviously, we, we touched on tourism a little bit. Um, you know, Hawaii is the re- the most remote place on earth. You and I know that. We've lived here for almost all of our lives. Um, can you speak to the level of redundancy and or response planning? Uh, that's been implemented by HEI and HECO uh, to protect and defend both the the critical electrical infrastructure for the civilian and the federal side because of how you sort of have that that tie into both sides. Yeah, so you can imagine, just think, no electric cord that can connect us to California or Alaska or any other landmass. So we are on our own. So when you talk about redundancy, Uh, We have to be the first line of defense, the second line of defense, the third line of defense, the fourth. There isn't anybody else that we can depend on. Um, If our grid goes down, I can't, you know, go to the neighboring state of Nevada or Oregon and uh, borrow power to start up our units. We have to be able to black start them. Uh, So tremendous redundancy in all the critical infrastructures here. That's why I think Hawaii places so much emphasis on self-reliance. And, you know, you think way back to even the Native Hawaiians, they were very self-reliant. And that's why uh, words like sustainability are so important generally to our community is that we wanna be sure that we can sustain all of our own operations here in the islands if we were cut off. Um, Michael, you'd also mentioned DOD, and of course, uh, you know, you and I both know that this is the headquarters for the U.S. Indo-Pacific Command, which, uh, you know, they watch, the United States government watches 52% of the world surface from uh, Hawaii here, and of course, we have all the um, headquarters for the component services, uh, like Pacific Fleet, uh, the U.S. Army Pacific, um, the Marines, um, the U.S. uh, Air Force, um, you know, everybody is here, plus the Western Office of NSA and a lot of other uh, special uh, government facilities are here uh, in Hawaii. Um, And so, you know, we jokingly say that we have the most stars uh, in America Uh, outside of the Pentagon. That's how important Hawaii is from a uh, U.S. government and DOD perspective. Um, And they rely on the critical infrastructures in the community. Um, uh, So, you know, it's very important that we take our job of providing reliable, resilient power to um, the DOD and all the citizens of Hawaii and that's a word, that second R word has become, um, you know, really the language also in the IT space, right? We want not only reliable communications, reliable IT, but we also want resilient communications, resilient IT. Um, and that really gets you into a lot of the cybersecurity issues and making sure that we have um, built our system so that they're hardened uh, and uh, uh, minimize things like the attack surfaces as best we can. 
but then also kind of assume that it's, uh, that you will be attacked and have really good response capabilities uh, to uh, shut uh, bad activities down. Yeah, definitely resilience is a word that, that is, is, is a hot topic item within security for sure. You mentioned our reliance on the grid and being the, the, a self-sustained entity. And I'm always curious in terms of, you know, where HECO is headed with the alternative energy space and, you know, the strategy that you folks might have from a high level there. I mean, certainly I know we're putting a lot of emphasis on solar. There's been, you know, an ongoing boom within the, you know, the, the housing market to add solar uh, to, to help, you know, supplement some of that, uh, that the power dependency. But you also see things like wind going up uh, on the islands as well. But you know, from a high level, could you maybe talk to us about that strategy and if there's some sort of a, uh, a product or a solution that you guys are really putting your, your shoulder into? Mm-hmm. So it's actually not just a company strategy. Um, for those who don't know, Hawaii as a state has some of the most aggressive climate policies in the nation. And so we actually have laws that require that by 2045, 100% of our power generation will come from renewable resources and we will be carbon neutral from an economy standpoint. So very, very aggressive. And it isn't just our company. In fact, uh, it's got to be a community-wide activity. Um, I'll just give you an example on the renewable resource side. Uh, you know, you mentioned solar farms and wind farms. Those are actually um, developed by third parties. They're not um, uh, developed by Hawaiian Electric or owned by Hawaiian Electric. We buy the power so that the power that uh, our customers use are from those renewable resources. So you can see how it's taking not only our company, but it's taking those independent power producers, and then it's taking the communities that um, they're building those facilities in uh, to um, host those facilities um, and all got to work together. All the IT systems have to work together because we've got to connect up uh, uh, those independent power producers. And then you also mentioned rooftop solar. Rooftop solar, Hawaii leads the nation in rooftop solar. Uh, Almost a third of the people with homes here have um, PV. And increasingly, that PV is being installed with batteries. Um, So, uh, you know, the uh, I think our level of penetration on solar is 20 times what the next closest to us is, which is California. Uh, so think about the fact that now uh, a good bulk of your power is coming from intermittent renewable resources. You know, you only have solar power when the sun shines or it's, you know, you get have as much as you might be able to store in your battery um, or as much wind power when the wind blows. Uh, so our engineers have really led the nation in a lot of these integration technologies of things like rooftop solar and uh, uh, the uh, larger scale uh, renewables like solar wind. Um, the other thing that it relates to back to IT and cyber is we had to connect all of these systems um, back into the main grid. And we also have to make sh- 
assure that all those connections are as secure as our own system. Because as you know, you could be hacked from any place in the system. And uh, that's a huge concern these days is the supplier chains. So, you know, it doesn't matter. We could have the very best uh, cybersecurity at Hawaiian Electric, but if one of our suppliers was breached, uh, that could lead into our systems. So really, really important that everybody has a lot of um, uh, good protection. Uh, the rooftop solar in particular, I don't know that anybody yet has the total answer on that uh, because think of how many, you know, tens of thousands of systems there are out there. Any one of them might be a point of entry. So uh, really, really important for our guys to be aware of all those systems and be able to monitor uh, what may be coming back into our big grids. That's all really fascinating. And and sounds like, again, that's just a, a massive job and an undertaking to try to secure all of that and think about all those moving parts and components. In terms of moving parts and components, I've also been interested in the realism or how real it is for the potential for electric companies or companies to produce energy to sell to folks like yourself by using both tidal and or ocean energy. Are, are, are you seeing any of that research happening, um, you know, locally here uh, or abroad to, to, again, try to utilize the power of the ocean to generate energy? Yeah, so people have been interested in using the power of the oceans for years and years and years. Um, and it's, you know, many different types of power. So uh, one of the ones that they uh, have been experimenting with uh, for a long time on the Big Island at the Hawaii Natural Energy Institute, HNEI, was the temperature gradient between the very, very cold, very deep waters and the warmer surface temperatures and using that temperature gradient uh, to uh, drive turbines. Um, there's other things like uh, wave power, you know, just the wave energy. And there's also swell energy. So it's not just the wave action, but it's the big ocean swells. And of course, uh, you know, one of the uh, big things now is offshore wind. So using wind power, but anchored offshore instead of taking up valuable land onshore. Um, I'll tell you that uh, certainly the uh, ocean um, uh, technologies, in particular, the Marine Corps has experimented a lot with that out at K-Bay. Uh, and, you know, they have sites out there that they have uh, made available to different developers. Um, those technologies still are not quite um, uh, there uh, from a commercial feasibility perspective. Um, offshore wind, um, you know, it has, is becoming uh, uh, commercially feasible, and you see that happening uh, in Europe and on the East Coast. You know, whether that will happen here in Hawaii uh, is still a big question mark because, um, you know, we talked about U.S. Indo. PACOM and of course the Pacific Fleet and we're home for a lot of the submarines. So there's submarine traffic in our, our waters and then also all of the whales, all the wonderful whale watching that we love and the tourists love, you know, the whales migrate through our waters. 
so, you know, you got to consider all of those kinds of issues if you're going to put in offshore wind here. Yeah, this is true. And and we've seen some of those those battles that have played out with the ferry, the super ferry even, right? So those things are very real here in Hawaii and they do impact a lot of that, that policy or decision making. But um, appreciate mm-hmm. your insight there as well. Uh, you know, you mentioned tourism. And I think, again, Hawaii goes hand in hand with tourism, regardless of, of how you might view that, um, that situation. But 2020 has impacted tourism. There's no way around it here in Hawaii. It's impacted us very deeply in that regard. So I kind of have a, a two-part question for you. Um, number one, how has obviously COVID and 2020 impacted kind of your business and your vision moving forward? And then you know, in talking to the other leaders here in the community with the shortfall that has been generated in revenue from the loss of tourism, are there any interesting ideas to help sort of, and you're not going to gain it all back overnight, but are there any interesting ideas out there to help get some of those, those wheels to turn again? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So for our two primary businesses, the utility and the bank, Um, We're both essential businesses, and so we're actually the kind of businesses that were expected to operate throughout the pandemic. I mean, think about all the people who are working remotely from home. Uh, You need electricity to power everybody's uh, computers and communication systems. Um, So we knew that it would be very important for us to be able to institute safe practices, not only for our own employees, but also uh, to keep customers safe as we continue to provide the um, services. Uh, And and so, um, you know, our companies have been fully operating throughout all of this. Um, We did move a lot of our uh, workforce that could be moved um, remotely, uh, like a lot of the office uh, workers. Uh, to uh, work from home. And, you know, early on in the summer, we actually had said uh, we were going to be working remotely, uh, you know, totally through the summer. And as the end of summer approached, you know, we moved that to just past year end, January 11th. And now we're extended out to March 31st. Um, and that's because we have been very successful. Thank you to all of our IT and comms people who made it happen. Um, they really worked uh, round the clock in the first few weeks of the pandemic and the shutdown to, you know, make sure everybody got VPNs, that everything was secure, that we had enough uh, uh, bandwidth in order to have all the folks working remotely. Um, And so it's been working for us, and our philosophy has been, if it's working, uh, let's not take any chances because we know that we have to keep operating. We're also the kind of companies that have to, uh, that are expected to help the rest of the community through the pandemic. Um, So, uh, you know, uh, not only do people need electricity, but you know, we can't cut them off. That would not be good, uh, even those who can't afford it. And so, uh, you know, we have orders from our Public Utilities Commission uh, not to disconnect people, but then uh, uh, they've given us the ability to uh, defer recognition of those extra expenses and 
uh, uh, be able to recover those later, but at least hopefully we help people through this. And then when the whole economy recovers, uh, we can all recover along with that. Um, same thing on our banking side. Uh, we, um, uh, along with the other banks in town, we're very aggressive in getting the so-called PPP loans, Paycheck Protection Program loans for small businesses. Um, over 4,000 small businesses, um, you know, for us, $370 million in, you know, just a few weeks uh, to get that into the checking accounts of all the small businesses um, to be able to keep people employed, keep paying those paychecks. Um, so that's that's the nature of our business. And I'd also say when you ask about the long term that, uh, you know, one of, a lot of people thought, well, things like clean energy, maybe that would be set aside because we all have to focus on the near-term uh, healthcare care uh, uh, crisis. Um, but I'll tell you, it's been quite the opposite. Um, if anything, all the discussion has been about doubling down on things like climate change. And the reason for that is that everybody is saying, okay, economy shut down. Now we we want to talk about reopening. We want to talk about recovery. Maybe we can recover smartly. So maybe this is the time to create that Hawaii 2.0 uh, that is a sustainable Hawaii that we've always wanted to have. Let's take advantage of this pandemic and let's take advantage of this rebuild to rebuild in a sustainable way. Uh, so all the uh, renewable projects, you know, people have been uh, very careful and our Public Utilities Commission has continued to uh, uh, press forward and um, uh, put out uh, decisions. Um, they haven't slowed down at all uh, in order to keep this whole transition to a clean energy economy going. Um, so, yeah, it's been actually an exciting and busy time for us. Yeah, that, that's that's exciting to hear. I mean, for the listeners that might not know a little bit about the, the history of the Hawaiian civilization and culture, at one point there was over a, a million local Hawaiians living here off the land and off the sea with, with no dependency on anybody but ourselves here on the island. So there's been a model for sustainability in Hawaii that we've aspired to for quite a long time. And Kanye, that's sort of what I was mentioning, regardless of how you think or feel about tourism, when you look at trying to recreate ourselves, you know, this is that opportunity to do so. And, and some people may be gravitating towards that change and others may not. So it's just interesting and good to hear that you folks are, are doubling down on that, that space right now, especially. Yeah. You know, Michael, if I could just add, I, I you know, when you say, you know, what, what do people believe and do they support or not support? Uh, I think one of the crucial issues within Hawaii is, um, you know, we live um, in very close proximity with each other, and they always say there's like zero degrees of separation in Hawaii. So one of the things that's really important is that um, we engage uh, everybody in the community, across the community, anytime uh, we're doing anything major, because very few entities, uh, you know, whether it's a company or another organization can do anything here in Hawaii 
without having repercussions and have it reverberate through the uh, whole community. So that's the reason it's so important that we all, uh, you know, link arms and, and do stuff together. Yeah, I think what you are referring to uh, is commonly known as coconut wireless. Yes. No matter, no matter what <laughs> happens, it, word gets around town very quickly here in Hawaii. Yes. Um, uh, oh, yeah. They always say there are no secrets. <laughs> this, this is true. This is true. Hey, so I'm curious for, for some of the other leaders um, that are out there that may not be sort of on your level yet, and they may be coming to, to folks like yourself to try to, to pitch certain things that they may want uh, from a security standpoint, from an IT standpoint, um, things like that, you know, your managers, your IT managers, your directors. Um, what are some maybe quote unquote hacks for, for those people uh, that, that want to get their agenda, get the attention of their agenda with, with folks like you, what are some of the things that, that really work to get your attention and get your, your buy-in when it comes to investing in budgetary line items for, for projects like that? Yeah, so you know what's, uh, particularly when you run a large organization like mine, um, you know, you can't be expert in everything. I think I actually have a fairly good understanding of the uh, risks that we run on the cyber side, but certainly when you start getting down to what you're talking about, uh, specific prod products that might uh, really help us in uh, detecting, you know, APTs or monitoring the system or evaluations, um, you know, I, I need the guys that do it for me every single day. So I need guys like Jason Ben at Hawaiian Electric or Ryan Field at American Savings Bank uh, that are real experts in the area. And so I'd say anybody that wants to get my attention has got to get their attention too. <laughs> that is so very important. Um, and, you know, at one time, I think IT or technology uh, was um, kind of viewed as almost a support service. And so it didn't necessarily, um, uh, co you know, command the attention of the uh, CEO or the C-suite. That's totally changed today. I mean, you know, uh, your chief technology officer is one of your key C-suite officers. Um, and I think there's no CEO today that uh, isn't, you know, interested um, and fairly knowledgeable about uh, technology issues because you have to be uh, almost we're, we're in a technology revolution, right? So almost every company and all processes are now based on technology. And what the pandemic has showed us is that we've probably um, leapfrogged at least two years forward in terms of, in terms of that migration to more and more digital work. Uh, uh, for our bank, more and more digital transactions, because although Hawaii has always been a very high-touch market with people wanting to go into the branches and personally do their transactions, they couldn't do that during the pandemic. Um, and so we had to get much better at serving them on a digital platform. And I don't think those digital platforms are going to go away, because at least the feedback that we've gotten uh, from customers is that now that they've actually done it, they found how convenient it is. 
um, and how much more efficient. Um, so I think, you know, people are not going to just go back to where business was before. And those businesses that are going to do well are the ones that are adapting uh, to um, all the changes that have occurred during the pandemic. Yeah, I think we've we've mentioned that with other guests as well. And of, of course, I think we've all mentioned it in, in our circles of conversation and that, you know, be, before 2020, the, the topic of working remotely or working from home was almost seen as taboo. You know, co corporations didn't want to consider it. And even though it, employees may have been begging for it for years, and then suddenly we just sort of ripped that bandaid off and, and kind of squashed that uh, misconception that this, this can't happen or we can't be as efficient or productive, you know, working remotely. Uh, but again, 2020 has certainly taught us that we have we have to be able to do that. So um, it's fun to to hear your perspective on that as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and of so, course, you know, our IT guys were challenged too, not only from a technology standpoint, but of course, all the policies and uh, HR policies, work policies, have had to be rewritten for all this remote work. And uh, so there's been a lot of adjustment that I think all companies have had to make. So I want to I want to touch on a couple other questions pertaining to sort of the the impact that that you have or that you feel you you have on your organization. I guess specifically when it comes to improving the the cybersecurity program. Like you mentioned, you're not an expert necessarily, but you surround yourself with those that are. And so from from that process over the last you know couple of years. You know, what are some of the things that you guys are doing just to continuously be ready for, you know, and prepared for an attack and maybe some of the uh, objectives or goals that you've set in this area for, for HECO and HEI as you guys move forward? Yeah, so, um, you know, when and this kind of relates back to your budget question, right? And I think of IT and cybersecurity, you know, it's, it is um, no different in a way than physical facilities and the need to keep physical uh, facilities secure. And the fact is that all entities operate with limited resources. So we're always making choices about where to invest. And so what's crucial in terms of um, IT investment is that you really need to um, take the time to think through the risks that you run when you don't do certain things, as well as the revenues that you can generate when you do do certain things. Uh, so that's why I say it's no different than other uh, uh, issues in business. It's a matter of limited resources. So you really need um, IT professionals that have that mindset that I need to, you know, what, what are the investments that I can make that will address the risks of the business? And then I need to have that discussion with my CEO, board of directors, so that they can validate the choices that I'm recommending as far as how much to improve the IT system, how much to, how, how, how secure to make it or not. Okay, so that's on the investment side. But I think uh, one of the other areas that I think is um, probably more important, if not 
uh, uh, the most important is that there are a lot of things that you can do uh, in IT, and particularly when you're talking about cybersecurity, that are low investment. Um, what do I mean by that, right? I mean, everybody knows that probably the number one attack vector is phishing, right? Well, you can train your workforce uh, the same way you can train them on, um, you know, issues like sexual harassment, not to click on the wrong links. Uh, and that training is not, you know, a lot of high-tech training. That's just pure training. Uh, and it's not a huge, huge uh, dollar investment, uh, but it, it has a big impact. So really important that IT professionals also look for those kinds of solutions uh, to um, uh, limit uh, the uh, potential risk of cyber attacks. Uh, what can you do in terms of training your workforce to uh, make a difference there? Uh, so, Michael, I think, you know, one of the other uh, really uh, uh, important areas that uh, people can um, get involved with that doesn't cost a huge amount of money uh, but is tremendously effective is to really ensure that you're tied in to all the information sharing system. So you and I actually met before through Cyber Hawaii. That's uh, one good way for IT professionals to really be connected in with other IT professionals um, and certainly for any of the critical infrastructures, you want to belong to your information sharing and analysis center, the ISACs. So we have one for electricity. We have one for financial services. I know there's um, also the um, municipal um, ISAC. Uh, so those are all really important. Uh, there's also the state fusion center. Uh, that is one run by our uh, state of Hawaii Homeland Security uh, Department. So make sure that you're tied into that. FBI is another great uh, source. And also um, uh, the new CISA agency at the Department of Homeland Security for the U.S. government. Uh, so CISA is a new agency kind of like the FBI. Uh, it stands for um, Critical Infrastructure Security Agency. And so they do a lot of alerts continually. I'm on their mailing list uh, about, you know, all kinds of cyber issues. Uh, they were in the news a lot recently because they were the primary agency involved in ensuring that our elections uh, were secure. Um, so um, that's a... That's a really, you know, all it costs is um, membership <laughs> and your time to be involved with those organizations. Um, frankly, where we're trying to evolve that is beyond information sharing to have a community of IT professionals who can uh, work together to actually innovate with, um, you know, specific codes, uh, other tools and techniques that can be used almost immediately real time if an attack comes in. If you've got the right people focused on it, um, they can uh, mitigate that attack quickly. And if other IT professionals are working alongside them, 
they can protect their own systems. Um, so, you know, uh, think you mentioned solar winds, the recent solar winds incident. Uh, all the information sharing mechanisms were, you know, having uh, conference calls and web webcasts and uh, Zooms, um, you know, to share all the different patches um, and, uh, you know, uh, which specific uh, update versions were compromised. Uh, was anything prior to March 2020 uh, uh, in question or was it okay? Um, you know, just tons of questions like that. If you're just one IT professional, one CIO, hard for you to answer all those questions, but think, you know, thousands of IT professionals across the United States all dealing with a similar issue and sharing information and, and um, uh, that that's really the way to go. And, uh, you know, the digital world of CIOs allows that to happen. So, you know, you, uh, you mentioned obviously solar winds and you mentioned uh, information sharing being, uh, you know, a, a way to get through this, not just by yourself, but by kind of crowdsourcing information. Um, it, have you, aside from the very specific technical, you know, fixes that have been pushed out and, and, and those types of things, are there any sort of lessons learned that you can share with our listeners and talking to, you know, other people in your circles um, at the level that you're at, um, again, on on ways that they could sort of mitigate this, what we consider to be, and we talked about it earlier, sort of downstream risk, supplier risk, third-party risk, if you will. Um, has there been any sort of lessons learned or any good information that you could share with us? Well, I, one of the biggest lessons learned in this whole area is collaboration and sharing information. So, um, and, and I guess the other big one, which of course I'm involved in, is working with government um, to, uh, you know, help marry the information that is coming in from our intelligence services, because a lot of these uh, cyber attacks are coming from nation states, to marry that information with the uh, experiences that operators are seeing on their systems because you can't possibly cover it all. Uh, you really have to have the information streams to be able to focus in and look uh, you know, in certain areas where the problem might be. So like on supply chain, supply chain is really, really a tough one because you know, I might see my first tier of suppliers, but then that tier of suppliers they probably have parts that are supplied by other companies. And so, I mean, you can be cascading down four or five different levels, and there's no way that one individual company can keep track of all of that information. So that's one of the reasons why it's so important to also work with government that maybe has more of those kinds of resources since it can affect uh, you know, many, many companies and uh, many of the U.S. businesses. What do you see on the horizon that, that companies need to start preparing for, um, you know, whether it's business or cyber related that maybe they, they, they haven't been or you're seeing businesses not, not do yet? I don't know if I have a good answer for you on that, Michael. Um, I, I think the biggest thing that I think I see uh, for 
businesses in Hawaii is that uh, uh, most of our business is small and medium-sized business. And so it really doesn't have the resource to commit to, uh, um, you know, really good IT, right? Because you've got just salaries for your workers competing for those dollars. You've got rent that you've got to pay and, and utilities that you've got to pay. So uh, sometimes there's not a whole lot left over for um, IT investments and, and uh, technology. So uh, that's, I think, maybe one of the biggest issues for um, businesses in Hawaii is uh, being able to make the right investment decision about uh, dollars for uh, their technology, and uh, to the extent that that technology can pay for, for, for itself, then you're talking about revenues, and uh, sometimes the revenues are uh, on the come, so to speak. You know, you have to make assumptions about whether you can generate more revenues if you make an IT investment. Um, and that's not an easy thing to do for businesses that are just struggling to survive. Uh, so I think that's probably the biggest issue I see today. Yeah, I, I think locally here, you know, you, you've been a part of the organization. I've been a part of the organization since it uh, initiated. But Cyber Hawaii, I think, does a really good job. Uh, if you're a local company or a local business owner and you're listening to this episode uh, and you're not already a part of Cyber Hawaii or working with them, to help you know find some solutions to some of these problems that uh, that Connie has mentioned uh, here, you know they, they again they are a very good resource. So I will shamelessly plug uh, Cyber Hawaii. You can look at cyberhawaii.org for more information there. And uh, again, if you're a struggling business trying to wrap your head around what do I do with IT, uh, they can they can give you some assistance in that area. Yeah, but, Michael, but Connie, can I can I interrupt? Yeah, can I interrupt there because I think the other thing that, that Cyber Hawaii does really well is, um, you know, and I mentioned it, that there are or, um, organizations, government organizations like CISA that specifically put out information to help businesses of all sizes. Uh, and Cyber Hawaii does a really good job of understanding where those basically free resources are uh, and uh, connecting businesses up with those free resources or getting some of their uh, experts. We've had experts from the Department of Homeland Security come on out and do um, seminars, webinars, um, and that is, you know, a, a priceless way to uh, get uh, better educated and know what the biggest issues are. Because, like I say, you got to focus. Because uh, you know, people don't have unlimited resources. That you you've got to figure out what's the best way to shut a risk down uh, and uh, what's the most effective, uh, cost-effective way to do that. So. Yeah, absolutely. And there's no silver bullet, right? Not, not every company is the same. So you can't do one thing over here and it's going to work for everybody else over there. It's got to be individualized. And like you said, you've got to make those determinations, what the, what the lowest hanging fruit is and what the biggest risk reward or you know, risk value uh, would be from an investment standpoint. So, um, mm -hmm. yeah, you also, you know, you mentioned the term crowdsourcing and in essence, that's what cyber Hawaii allows local IT professionals to do is kind of 
develop the crowd here in Hawaii and be able to source from that crowd uh, when you have a problem. You know, it's, it's a network that you can also uh, pick up the phone and call a colleague um, that's a Cyber Hawaii colleague and see if they've had a similar kind of problem. So that's another uh, really good benefit of belonging to Cyber Hawaii. Yes, I, I can concur with that from experience. So we, we, we want to thank you again for your time. Again, we've had some, some good discussion on the show so far. We wanted to give you uh, the floor, if you will, the soapbox to, to share any closing messages with our listeners or any advices or resources that you want to plug outside of what we've already discussed with the Cyber Hawaii. We'll go ahead and turn the floor over to you and, and let you have that, that time. You know, Michael, I think what I'd like to tell this audience is, uh, you know, you guys are all IT professionals and uh, as a business person, as a CEO, can't live without you. <laughs> you guys are some of the most important people in my life. Uh, and uh, I know certainly with our companies, there's no way we could do what we do uh, without the support of our um, IT folks. Uh, you're critical to our businesses. Uh, and as essential services, uh, you're critical to the people of Hawaii. So I just really appreciate what all of you do, um, particularly because your field uh, is changing constantly. I mean, there isn't a week that goes by where I don't hear of yet another attack or yet another threat vector or escalating threats in the Indo-Pacific region. Uh, that are almost all cyber related. So you guys are key. Uh, just want to thank you for everything that you do and know that you're appreciated. Well, thank you, Connie. You are appreciated. Your time is appreciated. And uh, we look forward to catching up with you again soon and uh, wish, wish you and, and all of yours a, a safe and happy holiday and, and new year. <laughs> thank you, Michael. Same to you. Be safe and well. Okay, guys, that's a wrap. Thanks for tuning in, and we look forward to seeing you next time on Burned by the Firewall.